0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back to the first cut podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I've got Mark Immelman on the line. I've got Doug Bell on the line. Gentlemen, we are uh, we're talking Genesis Invitational today. It's a it's a big week, so we're starting early. Usually, don't do this preview until later in the week. So, um, I, I guess just off the top, Mark, what I just wrote a column on this, but what about this event uh, is most exciting to you as we kind of um, get into the the kind of the heart of the golf season?
0: Well I mean it's for me Carl it's what is not exciting. Riviera is just a it's an absolute gem. Um one of the great golf courses on the PGA tour. You've got Hollywood right there, all of the glitterati, uh, Los Angeles and then of course the field, man. I mean we have got just an absolute banner field this week assembling and and so around a golf course that asks every question in the book. I mean you cannot fake it around Riviera. It's going to be really fun from my point of view. To see the, the very best in the game I and, mean, you know, just duke it out a little bit and see what, see who comes out on top on Sunday evening.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is a tournament that, uh, it, it just got changed to an invitational this year. Uh, it's now on par with, uh, the Arnold Palmer invitational, uh, the memorial, which is obviously hosted by Jack Nicklaus Uh, and it's got elevated status. If you win now, you get a three year exemption on the PGA tour. Uh, the purse is up to almost $10 million, which is crazy. Uh, and then the field is reduced, uh, down to 120 guys. So it, it has a real, f- I mean, it always had a feel of a special event, but it really seems like this year it's got, uh, just sort of this aura. And I don't know how much of that is Tiger hosting it or, you know, what the field looks like. Doug, for you, 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 um, uh, wear a lot of hats. You're paying attention to a lot of different stuff. Is now the time in the golf season where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm locked in. I really got to, uh, I, I really have to start paying attention right now.
2: You know, um, I think it starts, uh, it really started at Pebble Beach because people get excited about seeing that visually on television and everybody's so familiar with those holes, especially 17 and 18. And the fact that Phil was in contention, I think got everybody excited. And now you have this tournament at Riviera, as Mark mentioned, this iconic golf course that was built back in the 1920s. Um, and, and if you go in the clubhouse, you see all these fantastic photos of these movie stars, uh, Humphrey Bogart, Errol Flynn, John Wayne. I mean, all of these, these incredible movie stars played there. And then you go out to that first tee and you see the first hole down in the valley and you're like, wow, this is really special. And the fact that Tiger is back, Rory, Brooks, uh, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Bubba Watson, uh, I mean, you just, it, it's a who's who of the great players today. Kyle, it has a major championship feel and, and I think people will take note this week. The California swing has been incredible, but I think now all antennas are up. Uh, everybody's radar is cranking and I can't wait. I simply cannot wait for Thursday to get here. Uh, and the fact that Tigers played so well, Kyle and Mark, I mean, come on now. Uh, golf could not be any better than it is at this moment. And we have a new number one. Gordon McIlroy is now the new number one guy, Much wants to get it back. Man, there's a zillion storylines. Can't wait. Yeah,
1: no, I I totally agree. It does, it does have a major championship feel and it has a major championship like field. I mean, if you look at the guys in this tournament, the only top 10 guy that's not playing is, is the guy that won last, which is Webb Simpson uh, at the Phoenix open uh all the top five guys. I mean it, it, if you go down the list even not it's not it's not just the top ten guys in the world you got Sergio, you've got guys like Matthew Wolf. I mean there's just so many guys in that Bubba Watson's playing great. There's so many guys in this field that you're like, wow that guy could win this week. Uh I, I'm I'm really excited about uh what this field looks like. Mark, if I ask you to make the case for me, so Tigers playing uh this is his third start of the season. He's obviously again going for his eighty third PGA tour win. Uh, if I ask you to make the case for me for why Tiger will not win, I think it's pretty easy to make the case for why he will. Uh, I, everybody knows <laughs> he's playing great. His swing looks great. Uh, he's, you know, ranked number eight in the world right now. Make the case for me for why Tiger uh, might not win this weekend at Riviera. Uh, and you're putting me on the spot.
0: Um, <laughs> no, honestly, Carl, the- the only reason, if I'm making a case, why he wouldn't win, because, look, the way he's swinging it right now, the way he's driving the golf ball, which is even more important, because Riviera asks you to move the ball in both directions. And if you're playing from the fairway with that cuckoo grass ruff, uh, you've got the leg up on the competition, because typically the greens are fairly small, lots of undulations, so you have to be able to control the ball out the fairway. But all that being said, if there is an Achilles heel in Woods' arsenal, which there really isn't, but if he struggles, it's on Pohania greens. Because the one thing about Woods, we did see the Tory Pine some. He hit the ball great, uh, but it, uh, on the greens, had one or two bounce, he had that four putt on the first green there, which was incomprehensible really. So uh, I think if there was a case to be made why he wouldn't pull off the victory, it would just be that he doesn't appear as comfortable on Pohania as what he does when he plays down there in Florida on the champions grass or on bent grass like he's just cleaned the house in Ohio, the state of Ohio. So that for me is the case. But, you know, I say that with tongue in cheek because the guy has made some unreal putts on Poe Annua. There was one on the final green in the 08 U.S. Open in San Diego that that, that, that speaks to otherwise. So, you know, I'm, this is a difficult assignment, but I'm going to go with the greens.
1: Doug, do you get concerned that, that Tiger's never won here? He's teed up, uh, I think, 11 times uh, over the course of his career. No, that's not right. I don't know how many times, he's heated up quite a few times here, never won. This is where he got his, uh, PGA Tour start, uh, back as an amateur at 16 years old in 1991. Do you yeah. get concerned about how many times he's played it and not actually won at this course?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he's a Southern California guy, uh, and, and the fact that he did make his debut in 1992 as a 16 year old phenom, you would have thought, and the way the course sets up, he was so long as a young man. And it really favors the long hitter, the ball striker, and those are two things that he certainly was as a young man, uh, and and still a, a great iron player now. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it really it's mind-boggling that he hasn't won there. But again, in two thousand and six, he quit playing uh, for a variety of reasons, whether it was the schedule, or whether it was uh, injury, or whether it was the fact that he just had no success there. And then it was good to see him come back uh last year but but remember now Jack Nicholas never won the Canadian Open and that's a head scratcher Tiger has never won at Riviera that's a head scratcher so it happens uh it's hard to put your finger on why I thought Mark had some good reasons uh but but the one thing that you can point out now uh, and and Kyle you mentioned it Tiger's swing looks phenomenal and his statistics are off the charts and uh, who's to say the great Tiger Woods, uh, won't get win number 83 and pass Sam Sneed this week? I mean, if, listen, I'm not putting anything by this guy because I didn't think he'd be where he is now, uh, about a year ago.
1: Well, it, it would be a really good spot for it because, you know, the 83rd win, you want it to, ha- you, it'd be weird if it happened at a major because the major yeah. would kind of, kind of overshadow 83. I mean, this would be, this would be the ideal place, a place he's never won, a place where he's, he's the host of the event, uh, and in a, in a loaded field, in a major-like field. I, I think that, uh, if it's going to happen, and I think it will, I think this would be the perfect spot for it to happen. Uh, I guess you could talk about Memorial or, or Arnold Palmer or something like that later on in the year, but it would be pretty cool if it happened here. Uh, another guy would be pretty cool if, uh, he won this week, Rory McElroy, New World number one. This is his 96th week uh, as the number 1 player in the world. He overtook Brooks Kepka who in the fall said he's got nothing but open road in front of him. Uh now he's got nothing but Rory McIlroy in front of him uh as the number one guy. So uh Mark just you saw Rory at uh Farmers at Tory Pines. Is his mm-hmm. game as good as it's been in the last 10 years because for me just watching from from outside looking in his swing, his mental state, everything he's got going on seems uh, about as good as it can be right now.
0: Uh, yes, uh, D, all of the above. He, Rory has just got it going on right now, and there, there's an air of comfortability about him to me as I watch him play too, you, because we all know he's a generational talent. The way he drives the ball, the way he strikes it, the game comes easy to him where certain folks have to grind really hard. He's cleaned up the short game woes. He's been banner on the greens, really, which has been the Achilles heel, if anything. Um, but for me, it looks like he's just got a healthy dose of perspective. He's got golf exactly where it needs to be in his life. It doesn't look to me like he's defining himself by by the, what his score is. But that being said, you can still see the hunger in him. So he's very balanced um, in, in the approach. He's obviously got all the physical assets in the world. So, I, you know, that's a... Saying is this the best he's ever been, that's a hard deal because he was younger and pretty vigorous when he was winning all those major championships in a short space of time. But I certainly would say that right now where he is, his game is complete. There's not a weakness. Mentally he is, he looks like he's under control. Emotionally he looks like he's, he's, he's quite comfortable with who he is in the game and, and it appears almost like he plays with house money because If he never wins another major, will it sting? Sure. But it doesn't look like it's that bothersome to him because he's just going about his business and doing what he has to do. And so it's an impressive – it's a pretty impressive sight to behold. And and, and watching him at full flight right now is is something special.
1: Yeah. Since the beginning of 2019, he's got more wins than he has missed cuts. uh, And he has just six finishes outside the top ten in tournaments. Uh, and in that span of time, he's got 15 top six finishes. So uh, over twice as many times in the last year plus, he's finished in the top six uh, as he Brilliant. has as he has finished outside the top 10. So he's just a he's just an auto top 10, top five guy right now. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that I, I don't think any of those guys care about being number one as much as we think that they do. But I, don't, I also don't think it's nothing, and I think, it, it, I think it's a meaningful thing for him to well, – well, go ahead.
0: No, no, I was about to say you – I was just going to add on to what you said. Sorry to cut over you, but you, you bring up a really good point. But the thing about that number one ranking, you know, they all say it doesn't mean much. Rory here recently said, you know, that's not one of the goals that was on his list to start the year. But if you caught him last year, he actually referenced getting back to number one the thing that the number one ranking in the official World Golf Ranking says is that you have been consistent over a period of time. And so it it sort of recognizes someone who's been consistently good. So to those numbers you point out, all those top fives, all those top tens, all the victories and such, his body of work over the last couple of years, year year and a half, whatever it's been, has been really sound. So I I think this number one ranking is is well-deserved and indicative of really what he's been up to
1: yeah i agree and I, and i think that you know if you talk to anybody within the sport and say hey who's the best guy over the last 14 months i don't think you're getting an answer other than rory and i think i was thinking about this one of the most impressive things to me is if you go so you go back to i think it was march 2012 he becomes number 1 in the world he took it over from i think luke donald maybe lee westwood and all the way to february 2020 you've been the best guy in your sport uh, that far apart, that doesn't happen in a lot of sports. We see, yeah. we see some uh, c- guys kind of rise to the top, or these surges for a couple years, but to maintain it at that level, and for I think almost all of it, if not all of it, inside the top ten, that's a pretty remarkable thing. Um, so yeah, I'm excited we'll, we'll, to see see him play at Riviera. Along those lines I'm, too, I saw I, sorry
0: sorry Doug, one more thing. I, I, I saw a, a, a statistic that our folks last week. The Pebble Beach put out where if he stays number one, I believe it's for two more weeks, he he overtakes Nick Feldo on the all time uh, weeks holding the number one spot. And then he'll be third all time behind, um, I think it was Greg Norman and Tiger Woods. And that speaks to what he's been up to as well. So in many respects, it's a feather in his cap.
1: What were you going to say, Doug?
2: Well, I was going to add, you know, I was in Memphis at that World Golf Championship event when Brooks and Rory were in that final pairing. And, and Brooks took him down. Brooks outplayed him. And and then we saw at the Tour Championship, I, I saw a fire in the belly of Rory McIlroy uh, in Atlanta at Eastlake that I had never seen before. Uh, you know, this, this guy's talented. But, but when you walk inside the ropes with these guys, and, and, I mean, you see facial expressions, and you see, you know, in a bad time, this is meaningful stuff. And he really wanted that tour championship for a lot of reasons. That obviously earned him the player of the year and the FedEx Cup. And, listen, I really believe he wanted to be number one, wants to stay number one. And when you when you get, get right down to it, and, and, Kyle, you were talking about the stats. And, Mark, I mean, you, you've been up close to this guy. Listen, there's a lot of people that drive the ball well. A lot of people they hit those fairway woods well. But, man, when you get right down to it, there's nobody better. A pound for pound, Rory McIlroy. It is. It is a sight to behold to watch him, wheel, get that wheel going, and get that shoulder and everything in position, and slam that driver, that three wood. And, I, and again, I think Viviera sets up perfectly for Rory McIlroy as he, he gets to Tinseltown as the number one player in the world again. I, I think he wanted to get there, and I think he wants to keep it for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly going to be uh, interesting to watch him play. There's a great article, or there's a series of articles. Mark and I referenced this a little bit on Sunday after Pebble. Uh, in the Irish Independent, he he does this uh, really long interview, and one of the most interesting things I took out of that was he was talking about Tory last year, and he finished like T6 or T4 or something, and he said it was like the most, I can't remember the word he used, I think maybe like most proud he's ever been of how he played, Because he had, he, he said he didn't have it. He just didn't have it from T to green. And he's chipping in and he's basically like, he's being Jordan Spieth, and he's stealing scores when they shouldn't be there. And if that's the Rory that I'm getting, I, I don't know that you're getting that every week, but if you're getting that from him for long periods of time, that's terrifying because, you know, that's the thing where it's like, it's always been, well, if he doesn't have it, then, you know, it's just not his week. He's not, he, you know, whatever. That's just not his style. But if he can add that to his game, and I think a lot of that is mental. You know, he talks a lot about that. That is if I'm another top guy, that's that's completely terrifying for me.
0: Hey, Carl, I thought the most interesting thing in that article was that he was in your a member of your book club. Oh, that was my <laughs> big takeaway from that that article. <laughs> okay, let's
1: talk about let's talk about Brooks Kepka. So Brooks Kepka uh is now the number two player in the world. And I I think the thing that I think about when I think about Brooks, it's like Okay. He goes to, he goes to Abu Dhabi, finishes T34. He goes to Saudi Arabia, finishes T17. And you're like, ah, okay. I mean, that's fine. He withdrew from the CJ cup in the fall. Before that, he was cut. Those are his last four starts. That's, you know, I, I could tell you those are Scott Stallings last four starts. And you'd be like, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what it looks like, but I, do either of you, I guess we'll start with you, Mark. Do you get concerned about a slow start from Brooks, or is this just kind of like who he is at the beginning of the year?
0: No, this is Brooks. Look, I mean, we, we, we've had this conversation ad nauseum with, you know, why doesn't Brooks show up in regular PGA tour events? So now he's gone over to Europe. He's went for some of the big money over there. He's, he's easing his way into the season post surgery and posting me up. He didn't, I, I didn't see any ill effects. Uh, there were a few swings because he plays with that very close club face, so as a result, he's got to really rotate the body hard, and that forward leg of his, at the pace that he goes, it takes a lot of talk. And so, it was one or two where he didn't get through it as well as what he should, and he missed the ball left. But, you know, that's also some rust as you play your way back into the high-speed game that is professional golf. So, I'm not concerned. Um, Brooks knows what Brooks has got to do, and I think that's the one thing that none of the pundits ever recognize. You know, they talk about Brooks and the way he plays and the chip on the shoulder and such. But to me, as I watch Brooks Kepka it looks like he understands his recipe. And that is all he does. He's, he's actually said as much in major championships where he said, every major championship, I have the same setup at the house, I have the same chef, I have the same routine. And so he knows what he's got to do to bring out his best. And I'm sure he's going through what he needs to do right now. And so... I'm not concerned by the facts. I really am not. Um, it's, he's the kind of guy who's that resilient, and he's got that strong a mind. And clearly, he understands what he's got to do. And when it means something, he'll start
1: showing up. Do you consider yourself a pundit, Mark? Not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm given uh, C- CBS gave me the title analyst. Uh, 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 so I guess that's for what it's worth, I've got that. <laughs>
1: Uh so Doug, the, the comparison that I've made with Kepka is he's kinda like Kawhi Leonard to where you see flashes in the regular season, you're like, wow, this guy's like this guy's like the best player in the world. Uh but then okay. it doesn't really click into place until the postseason. For for golf it's obviously the major championships. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you agree with that comparison or is that is that off base?
0: Um, no, I
2: I kinda like that. You know, the thing with Kawhi, you know, he can be so great when he wants to be, and then suddenly he takes a night off because that's what I do. Uh, you know, he takes a lot of nights off. And I think Kepka right now has been taking some time off. Obviously, he's, he's injured, guys, and, and he's he's not quite 100% yet, but he's working his way back. I mean, whenever a, a golfer is dealing with uh, joints, whether it's knees or elbows or shoulders or, in the case of Tiger Woods, know, his back, um, it's going to take time. It's going to be ticklish, and I think that's what's happened with Brooks. Uh, you know, he, he injured his knee, thought he was good again, then re-injured the knee, and it's, it, you know, he, he's an athlete, and that's the thing with these modern golfers. Uh, they are athletic uh, in, in a, a much more than they used to be, and I think in the case of Brooks Kepka he's just slowly getting back into shape, And again, guys, Riviera, uh, as we talked about, sets up perfectly for a guy who hits it a long way and is a terrific ball striker. So we'll see if Brooks Kepka can get out of the gates quickly. I'm not expecting it. I I think he's going to I think he's going to play better when the swing gets down to Florida, especially Honda, which is uh, his hometown. Uh, but it'll be good to see him get back, but I'm not expecting the same Brooks Kepka for a while. I think it's going to take a while
1: to get 100% healthy. Another guy who hits it a long ways and, a great, and is a great ball striker, Justin Thomas. Uh, he played really well at this tournament last year. He finished, or he started 66, 65, 65. And I, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was that weird. Uh, there was like a rain delay, and they played like a ton of holes mm. on. I think it was Saturday, and he got. I think he shot 65, 65 on Saturday in like the second and third round, or something weird like that. Uh, and then you're like, wow. Or maybe it was – maybe they played two rounds on Sunday. Anyway. Uh, Sunday, yeah. JT goes out and shoots a 75 in the final round on Sunday, which to me – I thought that was one of the more surprising outcomes of the year just because you didn't – that that number wasn't really out there. Jordan Spieth shot an 81. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the other guys in the top 10, you see 68s, you see 69s. Uh, Siwoo Kim shot a 66 on Sunday and JT who I, who I feel like is is a closer uh 75 to lose to JB Holmes by one. Um what do you think about the way that he's playing right now Mark and and just his game coming off that T I think he was T3 at Phoenix uh and and heading into kind of this part of the season.
0: Well, a couple of things. First off, uh, the round last year, I want to say that not all 75s are the same. Same thing for 66s. Uh, Kim was out early. It was blustery, it was cold last year. And in the final group, the greens really started to firm up and get kind of crusty. So if you were above holes, I mean, guys were having a torrid time and it was basically just a war of attrition. So that 75, I don't think, was a perfect indication of what happened and it's not like he choked really. You know, certainly JB outlasted him. But the guys who shot the low rounds were early on a, on a very difficult day, almost like it was final round at Pebble Beach last last week. So So there's that. Um, but as far as JP, JB, uh, Justin goes, JT, <laughs> um, he is, he is complete. And the thing about him here at Riviera is he's a picker of the golf ball and off those Kikuyu fairways, the ball perks up a little bit. And so it sits up. So you can really, you know, make the shallow approach with a golf swing and horse balls in the air and hit different shots off those lies. And, and his technique lends itself to success from those sorts of fairways. So, with those greens, he comes in there swinging well, which I expect him to. Um, I, I spoke briefly with his father, Mike, in Phoenix a few weeks ago. And and I asked what, was up, uh, what they were up to. And he said, same as always, just making sure the backswing's on line and the shaft is on plane coming down. So I read between the lines and I hear, okay, this is a dude where there's nothing really sinister going on with a golf swing. He knows what he's going to do. He's doing his thing. And the statistics are bearing them out. And this is your... You, this this is your uh, chapter. Here we go. Stuff, but, yeah. but but still, I mean, he's, I think there's only one statistic where he's not inside of the top twenty uh, currently on the PGA Tour, and 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 he's 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 become he's becoming a titan in the game, and, and he's complete, and, and Riviera sets up to his sort of golf swing style.
1: Well, let's be honest, Mark. J.B. Holmes outlasts everybody, uh, no matter who's playing yeah, alongside uh, of him, uh, I, I think. Be able to I, I do, I, I remember what you were talking about with Justin Thomas and the, and Adam Scott shot like a 76 also. And it got, it got, that was uh, such a weird event because there were so many holes played. The weather was weird. Uh, to your point, uh, Justin Thomas, uh, PJ Tour season stats right now. He's 17th off the tee, sixth on approach shots, 34th around the green, fourth tee to green and fourth overall. He's 85th in putting, which, to me is concerning if I'm anybody else in the field. We talked about, uh, if Rory's got that kind of mental makeup where he's like grinding stuff out. If JT is playing this well and not even putting yet, I mean, he's a good putter. He's a top 50, top 40 putter to me. I- I'm, that's, <laughs> that's another like, that has three, four, five win season written all over no. it. Doug, do you agree with that? It-
2: yeah, absolutely. I think he's destined for uh perhaps a career year. Last year was injured down at the Honda. And again, I was walking with him uh, for PGA Tour radio when he hit that root underneath the tree at the ninth hole. And he never really was the same until he won in the playoffs. Uh, but now that he's already won twice in this new 19 20 season. And, you know, guys, I like the way he and his dad, and he calls it his team, but I like the way they have the schedule mapped out uh, because you play twice in Hawaii, you come back to the States, take a couple of weeks off, you play in Phoenix, you do not play in Pebble, you're going to play Riviera, Mexico, Honda, and so have a nice three-week stretch. And I think he'll be humming by the time he gets to Honda, by the way, if not before. But, again, he's he's healthy, uh, and I think your stats, Kyle, uh, bear out that right now he is blossoming into uh, – he very easily could be the number one player at the end of the year. I yeah, he's that good. He's going to be on the Olympic team. Uh, I, I do believe that's something that he's really focusing on. So, Justin Thomas, if he's not a household name to a lot of people uh, yet, he will be after this season. Because I, I think you're right. I think we're looking at a huge year for JT.
0: Hey, Kyle, uh, there's, there, there are, there are a handful of guys in the PGA tour, in my opinion, who can out-hit a bad putter. Um, Rory, Dustin Johnson, um, Tiger to a certain extent now, and Justin Thomas. Uh, so if, even at 85th, he's gaining strokes. So he's 85th, but he is gaining strokes, albeit a small percentage. But the way he's hitting it right now, uh, the way he hit it in route to the victory
1: here recently,
0: um he, he can get by a bad putter pretty easily just for the quality of the golf strike.
1: I would throw Hideki in there as well. That's all he's been doing his entire career is overcoming a bad putter. Out hitting a bad putter. <laughs> uh, okay, so we got, uh, who else we have in here? We got Bubba Watson, John Rahm, uh, Jordan. This, this field is a joke, guys. It's, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. You start going down and you're like, the 30th guy in this could win it. Uh, Bubba Watson real quick three-time winner here, 14, 16, 18. It's an even number year. He'll probably win again. <laughs> uh Mark he's, he's had a weird last couple years, but he is entering uh with two straight top 10s uh into this event. Played great at Phoenix where he always seems to play great. Mm-hmm. Uh is this is this a tournament that you could see him going out and winning and then using that to maybe catapult him to yet another contention at Augusta here in 2 months?
0: Well, Bubba's the kind of guy where if, if he doesn't feel too handed um, you know, he can you can play Bubba golf where he, he hits all that bend to the golf balls and such, which is kind of odd because at Riviera, there's certain spots. I think of holes like um, on the backside, 11, 12. Um, there's uh, 15, or a tough par four where it sort of asks you to really be um, tied off the tee. So I, I find it somewhat surprising that you play so well there, but we know he's an emotional sort, uh, and when he gets to certain places, he finds that different gear just because of the emotions and the mentality of it. So, the way he's going right now, he seemed awfully confident. Um, I spoke briefly with Ted Scott in Phoenix a few weeks ago, and he said Bubba's just hitting the ball perfect, and uh, and he's he's making some putts, which is crucial at this level. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a part of the storyline. Um, he's going to have to reach up and and grab some pretty special form if he wants to win, given the strength of the field this week. Doug, do you agree
1: with that?
2: Um, You know, listen, I, I think Bubba has exceeded his expectations with, with major championships, uh, double-digit victories in the PGA Tour, uh, more money than you can ever dream about. He's got a beautiful family, and I, I really, in my mind, Kind of moved to that level of enjoying life, and I, you know, maybe he works as hard as he used to. I don't know, but I just think when you have these young guys that we're talking about, whether it's Rory or Brooks or JT or John Rahm, uh, you know, there's just so many young guys, and I, I, I don't want to say Bubba's is not going to win again because I know he's ultra talented, but I, I think, I think he has reached his peak. And I think he's enjoying um, the, the fruits of his labor, and that's not a negative. I just think a lot of athletes, when they when they reach their prime and they've enjoyed ultra success, it's it's hard for many of them, no matter what sport, to get back to that level that they uh, that they enjoyed at the prime of their careers.
1: Yeah, and a couple other guys who have enjoyed success at that level. And, and I kind of grouped these guys together as I was thinking about this. Uh, so Phil, uh, Bubba and Jordan Speeth, they've all wanted Augusta. Uh, Bubba and Phil both won twice at Riviera and Speeth has contended there. He finished T4 back in, I think that was 15 when he went on to win, uh, the John Deere. Uh, I think all three of those guys, they're, they're all kind of, they all started the year, Mark, uh, just kind of, Blackluster, like they're all kind of going in the wrong direction haven't had a great last year or two uh who out of those guys do you think is so all three of them are surging phil's got two top threes in a row speed round of the day on sunday a pebble bubba two top tens in a row who out of those do you think is for real and who do you see faltering over the next you know three or four (laughs) months
0: Oh goodness, that 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 is a really good question, and I'm not so sure I could give you a a really a a, a real answer to this because every single one of those players, albeit the fact that they are they they just very talented, to use Doug's term, ultra talented, great golfers, assembled incredible resumes. Phil's already in the Hall of Fame. Bubba, you know, he's he's close given what he's been up to, Um, and Spieth with the three majors they they all are fallible in a funny sort of a way. You know, if we compare them to a Justin Thomas or to a Rory, who seem kind of complete right now, even a Patrick Cantlay toss into that uh, that heap where you've got the overall game and there's the mental acumen with it. Um, so I, I guess of the group um, at Riviera, if, if this is a very long question, I, I'd be inclined to go with Jordan because it looks like he's going in the right direction. Um, but if we're looking towards Riviera this week, Um, I've I've sort of got to go go with Phil. I really do. I mean, he spoke last week of being uncomfortable with winds that come in and off his right-hand side because they exposed that that wide leftness that he'd been struggling. And there were a number of holes coming down the stretch, even though it was a war of attrition late yesterday afternoon in Pebble Beach, where he was able to hit like a low-flighted driver that went a long ways but stayed in play. So um, if we get sort of similar uh, conditions in L.A., I feel like, Phil will continue the good play.
1: Doug, since Mark won't answer my questions when I when I throw them in front of him, <laughs> which, which of those three guys? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mark. Which, which of those three guys would you take if you had to pick somebody for the rest of the year?
2: Well, um, well, you know, I, I I follow Phil a lot uh, at Temple Beach, and I and I did think he looked fatigued, uh, especially that back nine on Sunday. But but the, again, the wind was howling; those conditions were just ridiculous um you know i probably have to go with phil simply because i think he is taking advantage of modern science uh um, you know what whatever the case may be whether it's uh, physically you know he's lost a lot of weight looks terrific and he seems to have a bounce in his step um, and certainly scientifically uh from a golf standpoint i mean he's taking advantage of the equipment uh, he's certainly swinging it faster than he ever has, hitting it farther. You know, it is interesting, uh, when he first came out on tour, Phil Mickelson, of course, uh, it was a long time ago, guys. I mean, he's 49 years old. Uh, this is his 28th year on the PGA tour, but he averaged, uh, just about 268 yards off the tee. Uh, and now here we are. He'll be 50 in June and he's averaging, uh, 305 yards off the tee. So, Pretty remarkable. And when you look at those swing videos uh, and the elasticity of his swing and how how far he still gets an over-parallel, pretty remarkable for a man his age. So I guess to answer your question, Kyle, I'd have to go with Lucky. Uh I, I still think he's got a little little gas left in the tank.
0: Hey, Kyle, <laughs> I did say I was picking speech for the year. You obviously didn't listen to my entire diatribe. <laughs>
1: Come on, man. You hate my questions so much. Which is, uh, uh, dude, which is, which is fantastic. Okay, last two guys that I want to touch on real quick. Two guys that have had very opposite, uh, kind of last six to eight months. And that's John Rahm, who's been awesome since last summer. I mean, just an unbelievable run that he's been on. And then Dustin Johnson, who, uh, has not been awesome. He didn't have any top tens after the PGA championship last year. He did have a T7 at the tournament of champions to start 2020 and then he went over to Saudi Arabia, finished second there. Uh, but then he dropped back to T32 at last week's, uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Uh, if, if I give you those guys, Mark, do you, do you buy high on ROM or are you buying low on, uh, on DJ and, uh, and, and, and hoping that that kind of the, the trend that he's on improves over the rest of the year?
0: Man, you're putting me on the spot with some of these expert <laughs> questions of yours.
1: This is um, this is the deal, Mark. This is, you know. This, this is incisive, I mean, the gloves this is incisive stuff. Gloves are off. Uh, yeah, and um, you know
0: what? You've got to buy a high on John Ron. I was surprised that he didn't finish it off at Torrey. And I then was as surprised, if not more, that he just couldn't find a way to make a putt when it meant something at Phoenix. Um, he hit the ball well the entire week. So. I think there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder there with John I'm buying high because he is an emotional sort. But the thing about Dustin, um, a few years ago when he won um, at Riviera, he it was one of the most dominating performances I've ever seen. The guy didn't he didn't put the ball on the short side of the flag once. He, he, he managed himself, he managed his game well, he made the putts that it needed to. and he basically looked like he beat a good field at a canter. He wasn't even full flights. So I, I, I think the, the issues with Dustin Johnson are short-lived. I feel like he goes back to a place now where it, it a, a place where he's comfortable. And if you're comfortable, some of these guys they just find that little spark and he's the kind of guy that when you get something going, he can parlay that into a few big finishes. So I, I'd be more inclined to, to just edge towards Rom right now, but I'm not going to discount DJ whatsoever.
1: Yeah. I, I think I'm with you, Mark. I, I, I don't like buying guys as high as Rom is right now, cause he's really on a heater, but the DJ stuff, I, I don't know, like he's, he, it's a very small sample size, but he's like 10th in putting right now, but not really yeah. producing great finishes. I mean, he, that's the thing, like people look at DJ and they're like, oh, I can't putt. It's like, look at his numbers the last few years. He's been an amazing putter. I think he finished like top 20 last year and he's, he's just not hitting it well and he hasn't been for, you know, six, eight, ten months. Doug, which which side of this are you on in terms of John Rom and Dustin Johnson?
2: Well, you know, I was just looking at the odds, guys. John Rom uh, eight to one at Riviera, DJ fourteen to one. Uh, so, you know, if I was a betting guy, I might put a little money on DJ this week, especially with his track record there. Um, I, I, I talked to Dustin uh, at Pebble, and he was playing with Wayne Gretzky, uh, which which is always kind of a neat deal uh, to see the great one uh with his uh, son in law DJ. Um and and I think that is that is something that really has always motivated Dustin Johnson. And I think when he spends a little time with Wayne, uh I think that gets his head back on right. So listen, he he keeps winning year in and year out and he has for a long time Dustin Johnson. Um I kinda like DJ getting back, bouncing back because I I think if there's a sure thing in golf, I don't do, I don't know if there is a sure thing, but I think it's a sure thing that Dustin Johnson will win again this year, just, so you have, just like he has the last 12 years.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I agree with you in terms of, like, the bigger picture view. I mean, I think DJ is, like, maybe the most talented guy in terms of just raw ability, um, and he's improved his putting and his short the short game stuff a ton. People talk about, like, the wedges, but his putting, I mean, just go look up the numbers if you're listening because it's been really impressive the last few years. So, both those guys should be a lot of fun to follow at Riviera this weekend. Uh, that's a wrap for us guys. We we I could do this all day. We could go all the way down to <laughs> Sergio, and I mean we I, I could go forever. But uh, we're gonna wrap it right here. We're gonna have a ton of coverage later on in the week. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining Doug Bell, Mark Ellman. Appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Ready? Right, yeah, thanks, care, guys. Man.